the current that carries us. Mm-hmm. And you know, we can't we can't change the current, but we can paddle to one place or another within the current. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are the places that are that are off the the main the, the, the main way are usually the places where we have most valuable experiences. You're listening to the Leverage Your Incredible Factor podcast with Darnielle Jervie Harmon. The place to be to leverage and scale a business that serves you financially and spiritually. I'm your host, spiritual business growth strategist, Darnielle J. Harmon. Join me each week for inspiring stories, powerful interviews, and business growth strategy to help you experience abundance in your life because of your business. If you are ready to play and pray bigger, Let's get this party started. If this is your first time joining me, there's just a few things I wanna make sure that you know. Number one, I am not new to this, I am true to this. For more than 10 years, I have been growing businesses, period. I am the absolute best at combining spiritual principles with business growth strategy to turn entrepreneurs into multiple six and seven figure CEOs. And no, in case you were wondering, you do not have to choose. You can love God and make boatloads of money. And I'm on a mission to create even more multiple six and seven figure CEOs. Oh, and we don't do hustle and grind. We do spirituality and systems. You might be wondering exactly what the incredible factor is. And if that's you, I invite you to go all the way back to our very first episode. I even give you a really powerful worksheet that you can download so that you can find yours because it is the key to beginning to leverage and scale your business. And I am tickle purple that you are listening in today. I know how you're feeling. I think everybody right now is screaming for an opportunity to reload. So you know your girl has got you covered. On Monday, August the 31st at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I am holding Next Level Everything Reloaded. That's right. It's your opportunity to reload your mindset, to reload your possibilities, to reload how you're showing up in the world and what you're expecting from God. If you need a do-over, if you need to reload 2020 and you are ready finally to position yourself to maximize the rest of this year and to step boldly into 2021, ready for your next level everything, then you should join me at Next Level Everything Reloaded. To learn more, make sure you visit breakthroughandbusinessevent.com forward slash reloaded. This episode is powered by the Grow Your Business Toolkit. If you are a service-based entrepreneur that is sick and tired of not being able to crack the code on taking your business to the multiple six or seven figure level, listen to me. The toolkit is exactly what you need. Get started with yours today at growyourbiztoolkit.com. In today's episode, can I just tell you guys, first and foremost, this interview that I'm about to share with you bless my whole spirit all the way up in and through. Yes, that was three prepositions. That is how juicy good this interview that I have to share with you today was. I sat down with Yanison Goldson. Listen to me. This was amazing. So stinking amazing. I cannot express to you how amazing it was. In the face of all of the racial unrest and the misunderstanding that is happening in the world today, 
listen to me. This conversation right here, if we could get this to the powers that be, I think we would all be moving into a direction of more understanding, more clarity, more acceptance, and there would be no need for this continuous debate on do all lives matter or do black lives matter? I mean, of course, I hope you guys know that when black lives matter, it means all lives matter. But I'm telling you, this conversation with Yannison was just, it was ridiculous and amazing. I have so many pages of notes. Throughout the entire interview, I was probably the most quiet I've ever been on any interview I've conducted so far. And y'all know I like to talk. Oh my goodness. All I said was that was so good. Like after every nugget he dropped, I was like, that was so good. That was so good. And I really only pulled back the layer on some of the things that he said because they were so stinking good. Oh my goodness. So, okay. I, I want to, I want to tell you everything that I loved about this episode, but that would create a whole nother podcast episode. So instead, my, I will tell you that my favorite part of our interview was when Yannison broke down what he called ethical communication, the five-step process that if we could learn how to communicate ethically as a nation, as a global society, we wouldn't be experiencing the problems that we're experiencing right now. But he just had so many juicy, powerful nuggets. It's not even funny. I love that he also has an undergraduate degree in English. Y'all know love love, love words, and love the fact that we share that in common. He hitchhiked across the U.S. and backpacked across Europe in his early years, in the 80s, which I think was just phenomenal. He lived in Israel for nine years. Listen, this was, this was powerful. I, I know you can tell how amped and excited I am. Let me read his, his uh, bio, and then let me just let you listen to this powerful interview, because it was just amazing. Okay. Yamelson Goldson is the director of Ethical Imperatives, LLC, teaching professionals how good ethics is good business and the benefits of intellectual diversity. He's a keynote speaker, TEDx presenter, and community rabbi, as well as a repentant hitchhiker, recovered circumnavigator, former newspaper columnist, and retired high school teacher in St. Louis. He's authored hundreds of articles applying ancient wisdom to the challenges of the modern world and five books, including Proverbial Beauty, Secrets for Success and Happiness from the Wisdom of the Ages. Let me just tell you again, I need you to grab pen and paper. I need you to take the hand that you write with and put it up in the air and shake it profusely so that there are no cramps coming in as you jot down these amazing, powerful nuggets as I present to you this powerful conversation that I just had with Yamison Goldson. Yamison, <clears throat> I'm so excited to welcome you to the Leverage Your Incredible Factor podcast. How are you today? I am wonderful, Danielle. I'm glad to be with you. Yeah, I'm excited you're here. So take just a quick moment, moment and tell everybody who you are in your own words. All right. Well, I graduated from the University of California with a degree in English. And I put the degree to good use by going hitchhiking across the United States, hitchhiking uh, across Europe. I ended up in Israel. And much to my surprise, I reconnected with the traditions of Judaism, which uh, I hadn't really known at all growing up. Ended up living in Israel for nine years. Met my wife, had our first two children, uh, became an Orthodox rabbi, and then embarked on my career as a high school teacher. 
uh, Jewish teenagers, uh, Jewish studies in Budapest, Hungary, Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, 20 years here in St. Louis, where I am now. Wow. <laughs> so much to unpack there. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So I, too, have an undergraduate degree in English. So fellow kindred spirits, I've had a love affair with words since I was 10 years old. So I can totally um, get that. So hitchhiking across both the U.S. and Europe. No, backpacking across Europe. Oh, backpacking. Uh, took, the, okay. took, took the trains and yeah. uh, did too much of the tourist thing. I, I, I kept telling myself, I've got to get off the main track. I've got to see the small towns, but somehow you just get caught up. Mm -hmm. so it's a good object lesson. You know, we, we tend, there's a current that carries us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can't, we can't change the current, but we can paddle to one place or another within the current. Mm. And the, there are the places that are, that are off the, the main the, the main way are usually the places where we end up with the most valuable experiences. Okay, Yannison, that was so good. <laughs> that I was so good. Oh my goodness. Okay, I just had to repeat back what I caught that you said, and then we have got to unpack that. That is so good. There's a current that carries us. We can't change the current, but it's the paths off the main grain that teach us the biggest lessons. There you go. Oh my goodness. So what have been some of the biggest lessons you've learned by getting off of the regular path? Well, <laughs> I suppose that, I mean, the, what, what really defines my life, and since I retired from teaching four years ago, is defined my work, is an outlook that is informed by uh, the traditions of Judaism. Mm -hmm. And never in a thousand lifetimes would I have imagined that that was the path I would end up on. Okay. I came to Israel, and my plan was to have a classic Jewish experience by volunteering on a kibbutz, a collective farm, picking oranges and grapefruits. Do that for a couple of months because I was burned out on traveling, and then I was going to hit the road again, head off to Africa, go to Kenya and Botswana, and then Asia and Australia. And when I got to the, the kibbutz placement office, it turns out that for the first time in anyone's memory, there were no spots available for volunteers. Wow. There were people camped out in sleeping bags like they wanted to buy, uh, I'll date myself, Rolling Stones tickets. And what had happened is the dollar was at an all-time high. So there were eight or nine million Americans in Europe. And when it got cold in Europe, a lot of them went south to the Mediterranean, ended up in Israel, and they all had the same idea. So there I was, I was tired, I didn't have a lot of money. And I ended up in a rabbinic college in a, in a religious seminary. And it seemed like it would be kind of interesting. Uh, I thought I'll stay there for a couple of months, right? They gave me a bed, they gave me three meals a day, they gave me structure to my life and intellectual engagement. And that was going to be that. Mm -hmm. Well, I discovered that there was a lot more to it than that. Yeah. And that the stereotypes I had about what traditional Judaism was mm -hmm. were entirely wrong. Mm -hmm. And I discovered a depth and a wealth of knowledge and wisdom and a way of life that is so profound and so universal that I never would have discovered 
had I reacted viscerally, had I, had I indulged my stereotypes and said, you know, people with beards and, and, and black coats uh, and big hats, that's not for me, that's not my thing. But I gave it just enough time to listen and to see, well, there really is something here that, that maybe is worth investigating. And in general, uh, when I was hitchhiking, listening to people's stories. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I really would not recommend hitchhiking. Please tell your, your, young, your young people out there, not a good idea. Uh, this, was, this was the early 80s. It was already past the time of hitchhikers. Yeah. But certainly now, <laughs> you, you're really taking your life in your hands. But it did give me an opportunity to encounter all kinds of people that I never would have encountered. And often what happens in a car is that drivers want to talk. Yeah. It's the strangers on a train syndrome. You know, I'm never going to see this person again. I don't have to worry about sharing. My, and some of them told me, you know, I've never told this to my wife or my kids or my best friend. And I learned to listen. And I learned that by listening to other people, we not only learn more about them, about them we learn more about ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because we understand where we fit into the world. Yeah. Wow. This is, I mean, you've already said so many powerful things that I just want to kind of continue to pull back the layer because I think that there's so many lessons and we haven't even gotten to the reason why we're here yet, but there's so many lessons already. I love what you just said a few minutes ago. You said, never would you have discovered everything that you end up discovering, not only about Judaism, but also yourself had you not had you indulged your stereotypes and what you thought was the truth i mean if that's not a lesson for what's going on in our country today right now i don't know what is <laughs> i don't know what is like how do you how do you how do you not indulge your stereotypes i think it starts by understanding what a stereotype is mm -hmm. A stereotype is essentially a, a file marker, a file label. In other words, we meet so many people, we have so many interactions, and our brains get overloaded. I mean, especially consider that if you go back a few hundred years, most people lived in the same village for their entire lives and saw, you know, maybe... 30, 40, 50 people yeah. in a lifetime, mm -hmm. the occasional passerby, they really got to know one another. And um, you know who talks about this is, is Susan Cain, who has one of the most popular TED Talks ever. And uh, she says, why there's been a shift to introverts as leaders, from introverts as leaders to extroverts as leaders. Mm -hmm. Because when people live close together and they really knew each other, it was the people who demonstrated quiet wisdom and reserve that were seen as the responsible, stable uh, influencers mm -hmm. and, 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 and leaders. Once people started moving to the cities at the time of the Industrial Revolution, so people were just overloaded. There were so many people. You didn't have time to get to know them. Yeah. So you had to make snap judgments. And the people who are outgoing and gregarious and personable and charismatic those are the people that attract attention in the short term. That's mm -hmm. the same idea with stereotypes. It's so much easier. You know, it's a joke here. I'm, I'm not a native St. Louisan, 
Uh, but one of the first things I found out when I moved here is that when two native St. Louisans meet each other, the second question after what's your name is always the same. Mm -hmm. Where did you go to high school? <laughs> I think that's anywhere though, because <laughs> I, the same thing happens when I meet a person who was born in Delaware. They're like, oh, really? Where'd you go to high school? So I think that really? might be at Universal to no matter where you are, Yamasin. That's interesting. It, it, was, it was a surprise to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe it's just because I haven't lived where I went to high school, but. Right. Um, we, we, we want to fit people into boxes. You know, if I know where you went to high school, I know where your neighborhood is, I know your background, I know your socioeconomic group. If I look at your skin color, if I look at your clothes, if I find out your religion, these are all ways we can slot people into neat little compartments. Yeah. And that's okay in the short term. But if we stop there, which often happens. Yeah. And we never give ourselves the opportunity to discover what's beneath the surface and who these people really are. And that we have so much more in common than those exterior differences that divide us from one another. That's so good, Yannison. And you're so right. Like, I know I, and the reason why I asked you, you know, how do you not indulge your stereotypes? And I think you said it perfectly. We make snap judgments and we have this desire, I think innately because of, if we think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we're all looking for a place to belong. And so we compartmentalize people. We put them in those little boxes you just mentioned, because then that gives us a place for them to belong. Right. And most people, as you just said, they don't take the time many times, myself included, to get beyond the box that I put the person in to figure out how we might belong. But what you just said is so powerful that we have more similarities than we actually have differences. And if we could not indulge the stereotype that is being given to us from wherever it came from and delve a little bit deeper into the individual, we might find that we're more alike than we, we really think that we are. And what kind of a difference would that make if, if, we, in, if we didn't indulge our stereotypes and instead probed and realized what it was about an individual that was similar to what our experience was? What, what do you think will happen? Oh, well, we only grow when we're exposed to the new, yeah, the unexpected and the unfamiliar. And, you know, there's a reason why we call them growing pains. It's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And the irony is that all of the self-help gurus today tell us, you have to get out of your comfort zone. So why don't we? Because it's uncomfortable. Right. Which is exactly the point. If I'm only sitting around, I mean, I think that groupthink is, is one of the greatest evils in the world today. People only associate with people who think like them. Yeah. And they simply reaffirm the same slogans and the same adages and the same aphorisms again and again. And everybody nods and agrees. And you don't dare say anything different because then you'll be attacked by everybody in your group. So you become more and more convinced that this is the only way to look at the world. Yeah. Whereas if you would actually go out and engage people who come from a different point of view and listen to see maybe they have something to say. Maybe there's, there's a, a, a rational reason why they disagree with me. Yeah. Now I can understand, okay, there are two sides to this issue. It's more complicated than I thought it was. And th this, this, this cause or this belief that I'm so invested in might be true, might be correct, but it's not the only way of looking at it. By broadening that perspective, now we can start to work together yeah. and find common ground. We can build 
and we can solve problems instead of simply putting our hands against each other. Yeah, it, I mean, that's so so good, Giannis. Like, I mean, I feel like when people listen to this episode, they're gonna be like, all darn y'all said was, that's so good, Giannis, because it's all so good. And when I think about what's happening right now in our country, you know, the the all lives matter versus black lives matter and the all the people who are holding staunch and strong to all lives matter ignoring the fact that all lives definitely matter if black lives also matter like it's just fixed in this box in this little compartment without any desire to not indulge the stereotype about what's going on like i don't i i don't understand how we as a as a nation as a society as community not figure out how to learn about each other in order to create a society that's even more powerful and more dynamic than than to just stay in our own little box and cocoon and know it's it's got to be this way like it frustrates me to no end and and not just because I'm a, a a black lives matter person because of course I'm black and I want my life to matter but because I think that that indulging of the stereotypes I keep hitting on that because I think that is so eloquently spoken of, of what we are seeing right now. That everything I've ever been taught from whomever it is that I that taught me it tells me that the only way to be right is if I hold on to this little box that I've been carrying for as long as I've been carrying it. And that the fact that I might, as you just said a, mom, a moment ago, grow when I expose myself to something new and unexpected scares me so much that I'm unwilling to e even consider the feasibility that there might be another perspective that allows me to be me, allows me to be right. I've got my fingers in the air quotes for those of you who will be listening and not seeing this, but still allows there to be another potential right perspective as well. And both right perspectives can peacefully coexist. Like, I think that that would be huge if there were a way to teach people to not indulge their stereotypes that would be so stinking powerful <laughs> well yeah and it comes from a sincere desire to understand yeah and to know and to not be afraid of being wrong and to not require this oversimplified view of the world that everything's binary. Mm -hmm. It's either me or you, it's either right or wrong, it's either yeah. good or evil. Um, you know, in my TED talk, I, I talk about the, the two great um, academies of Jewish scholarship 2000 years ago. Mm -hmm. And they had very different philosophies on their approach to Jewish law and Jewish tradition. And history records that when they argued in the study hall, they were so passionate and ferocious, it was as if they fought with swords and spears. Wow. But when they left the study hall, they were friends. They got along, they married the sons and daughters to each other, mm -hmm. because each school recognized the intellectual integrity of the other. Mm. And there was nothing political. There was no ego. Mm -hmm. It was all about a sincere desire to get to the truth. And even though they found very little to agree on, but their debates are recorded and we study them to this day. And they are the model of what 
informed, sincere, idealistic disagreement, or the term I've learned recently is constructive disagreement. Yeah, I like that. The more, the more you understand the, another side, the more you understand yourself. Right. And every once in a while we may discover, guess what? Sometimes I'm wrong. Yamison, I want to throw my shoe at you and I'm not even wearing shoes. That was so stinking good. The more, no one's ever said that to me before. I know, I'm sorry. I have these little euphemisms that are just crazy. Okay. The more, I forget. I, I mean, it was so good and I, I was trying to write it down, but I could I got so caught up in it. What I have to listen to the recording. I don't listen to myself. That's your job. <laughs> it was so good though. So the, the more we understand other people's positions, the more we understand ourselves, the more opportunity we have to see the larger picture, to see all the angles. You know, if you look at, um, if you look at work, like take, take impressionist art. Mm -hmm. I used to think impressionist art was silly. Blobs of color. Why don't, why don't you, let me go look at a Rembrandt. Let me look at some serious painting. And I was in an art gallery and I was looking at the impressions trying to figure out what's the big deal. And next to me, there are two people and one of them is explaining impressionist art to the other. Mm -hmm. So I listen. And the idea is that it's just like if you blow up a picture tremendously, all you see are pixels. Mm -hmm. You don't see the picture. You just see dots. When you back away, all those dots fuse together to form a picture. Uh, yeah. And that's what impressionist art is. Little blobs of color that when you're up close look like a mess. When you back away, everything blends together and creates a picture. And I went from thinking that impressionist art was silly because I didn't understand it, mm -hmm. to being in love with impressionist art. Because as soon as I understood what the artist was trying to accomplish, I saw the picture in a whole different way. It changed my whole outlook, and it's a, it's a tremendous metaphor for life. It is. Because it's, all we see are details. Yes. Unless we back up and see the whole picture, we really don't know what's going on. Oh, my goodness. I love that. I love that. I mean, in this, you know, for the, those of you who are listening, this was not what we were supposed to talk about. <laughs> but this is so much better than what we were supposed to talk about today. Oh, my goodness. I love, I love this. The more... We understand other people the more we understand ourselves. Oh, that is so good. And as soon as you understand, you can see things from a different perspective. Yannison, oh, this is so. I put this down here, Danielle. It really is what we're talking about. I mean, the whole idea of ethics is looking at the world in a way where I see how all of us are connected, mm -hmm. how we're all interdependent. My actions affect everybody else. And until I broaden my perspective, I can't see them. Until I try to, until I'm able to recognize that other people may be coming from a, a position of reason, of integrity, of background. And even if they're wrong, yeah. try to understand how they got there. Maybe there's a reason why they have these beliefs. And maybe through the discussion, maybe both of us can come to a clearer perception yeah. of truth and again, come together. And I think the operative word there is discussion. I think sometimes people are so hell bent on protecting their view 
that they're not open to the possibility that there might be a different perspective. And so offering themselves, allowing themselves, giving themselves permission to be in discussion allows for the possibility of, of there being a different truth, which definitely speaks to ethics as well. Yeah, Stephen Covey says that, that most of us don't listen with the intent to understand. We listen with the intent to reply. So then you just end up with two people having monologues. I'm saying my speech, you're saying your speech, neither one of us is paying any attention to the other. And then we wonder why we're not communicating. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's so good. I feel like, I partially feel like we could drop the mic right here. But then I also feel like we've got to give people some, we've got to give them some steps, right? So regardless of whether you're the person clinging to the box, clinging to your own beliefs and stereotypes of, of what people or things are, or you're the person who's in the box, who's being misunderstood, that really just wants some understanding so that you can be seen as who you truly are and not as who somebody has told the other person you should be. I feel like we... We can't just leave them here, although this has been so juicy good. So what's the first thing? What, what's the first thing that we do in order to begin to walk out the possibility of opening up an understanding or a dialogue amongst each other that both of us could be right? And so in my TED Talk, I outline the steps of what I call ethical communication. Okay, I like it. And it starts with knowing our own beliefs. Mm -hmm. Many of us, we just absorbed what our parents told us or what our teachers told us or what our peers told us or what the news media told us or what the entertainment industry tells us. And that makes us very defensive mm -hmm. and very insecure. Mm -hmm. Because if I don't really know how I got to my beliefs, then I don't really know what I believe and I can't defend them. And that I get very uncomfortable whenever anybody disagrees with me mm -hmm. because I'm made aware that I'm not standing on solid ground. So the first thing I need to be able to do is to understand my own beliefs to the point where I can articulate them, that you can understand them even if you haven't already bought into what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I can't just explain it. I, you know, we all love to preach to the choir. Yeah. <laughs> I talk to my own people, tell them what we already agree on, and everybody, yeah, yeah, rah, 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 we're all happy. <laughs> uh, that's a political rally, right? But to, to actually have the articulation that I can get you to understand something that may not fit into your point of view, but you can understand where I'm coming from, that's step one. That's, that's creating trust by being articulate in our own points of view. Yeah. And the second point is the opposite. I have to listen to you and understand you well enough that I can re-articulate to you what you said to me so that you know that you've been heard and you know that I understand you. And that's what develops trust. Mm -hmm. So once that trust is, is established, then it's possible to go to the next step, which is integrity. Mm -hmm. And that means that sometimes we're going to be confronted with truths that we don't like, mm -hmm. that we don't 
want to agree with. Mm -hmm. If someone's really articulate and they show me that a position that I thought was wrong actually has some merit to it, that means I've got to go back and reevaluate my entire worldview, and that's really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. That's what integrity is, right? The word integrity comes from the word integer, which means whole. Mm -hmm. Can't just have a piece of the truth. I have to accept the truth is what it is, whether I like it or not. Yeah. And once we can do that, then the next step is consistency. Mm -hmm. And this is where I really get <laughs> boiled. Boil, I really boil over. Because the double standards and the hypocrisy. Yeah. I mean, how, I mean, we see it from politicians all the time. And we see it from the news media all the time. Because they condemn the people on the other side for doing something. And then they immediately get people on their own side to pass when they do exactly the same thing. Right, 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 right. It's infuriating. <laughs> and they don't even try to hide it. Yeah. Because they know that their own people are the only people watching. And if I'm on the right, I'm watching Fox. And if I'm on the left, I'm watching MSNBC. And then right. there's, yeah. there's nothing in the middle to watch. So we have to reject those double standards. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, we're, 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 we're never going to, to really have the um, credibility yeah. to, hold, to, to discuss and talk with someone in a different position. The final step is, is humility. Mm-hmm. We have to continuously go back and re-examine our beliefs to make sure they're sound, to make sure they're worthy of belief, to make sure that um, as we grow and as we learn more and as we understand more and as we broaden our worldview, that the things that I used to believe, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I had a college professor, uh, Dr. Bird, he, he used to say, I never understood why people complain about being disillusioned. He says, I would like to be relieved of my illusions. <laughs> That's good. That's so good. Okay, this was really, really good. That, that last piece you just said, um, continuously reimagining or reexamining your beliefs to make sure that they are worthy of being believed. I love that. I remember when I was in grade school, learning how to spell the word believe and, and being told the mnemonic device, which was, there's a lie in believe. Most of the things we believe are not the truth, right? And so I love this whole ethical communication process. So first step, just to play it back for those of you who are listening in case you weren't able to write everything down. Number one, you have to know your own beliefs because most people who are owning other people's beliefs are automatically made defensive when they're asked about those beliefs because they haven't taken the time to figure out what their own beliefs are. Secondly, you've got to listen to others in order to be able to understand what they are saying enough to be able to mirror back to them what you heard, which is what will create trust in your communication. From there, you can move into integrity where you're able to go back and reevaluate an entire worldview and you have to keep in mind that integrity comes from the root word integer, which means whole. And that means seeing the truth for what it truly is, whether you like it or not. Fourth is about consistency and rejecting those double standards and doing what you said you would do 
and doing it on a consistent basis, whether it feels good or not. And lastly, is to move into humility, which again is to continually re-examine your beliefs to make sure that they are still worthy of being believed. Yannison, listen to me. That is such an amazing blueprint that I think, honestly, I wish we could just hand to the world. Oh, wait, we're doing this on a podcast, so we will be able <laughs> to hand it to the world. Because I, I think everyone needs this, and I want to make sure that we put your TED Talk in the show notes so that people can go back and listen even more intently into this process. Because I, don't, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better, and it's going to continually get worse unless people begin to be able and willing to do these five steps. I feel like this roadmap has the potential to heal our nation, heal the way we see each other, heal the, heal the way we look at humanity, and really open us up to thrive as a global society or global community. And this, this right here gives me a tremendous amount of hope that it could get better if we would all just be open to doing the work necessary to experience it. So that, this is great. Thank you so much for this. My pleasure. And you, that, that, that hope and that work starts right here. I mean, what you're doing, Danielle. Yeah, absolutely. These, I mean, you and I come from very different backgrounds. Yeah. We probably have a lot of ways we see the world differently, but that we can have this kind of conversation and that there are people who are interested in listening to it. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's where the hope lies that people will, will increasingly discard the junk food, the intellectual junk food of, of mass media. Yeah. And go to, go to podcasts like this and discussions like this, because this is where we really have the opportunity to develop these ideas in a meaningful way and figure out how to apply them to our lives. Absolutely. So, you know, my hat's off to you. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. Okay, so before I let you go, we've, I've got to ask you my incredible factor wisdom questions. So I like to ground each episode in these things um, because I think that for the people who are listening, they're always looking for those success clues that leaders like yourself leave. So my first question is, what is your favorite quote of today? Because you said on your paper it changes. So what is your favorite quote right now? <laughs> It does change. Um, I think the one that I keep coming back to, which I need to come back to more often because it's a little long, is from Ecclesiastes. And, uh, and King Solomon says, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift and the battle is not to the strong. Neither is the bread to the wise nor riches to men of understanding nor yet favor to men of knowledge. Time and fate will overtake them all. Mm. So beautiful. And it's beautiful. It's it's if you read it superficially, it sounds a little depressing. But King Solomon is telling two things. He's saying one that we we are not responsible for outcomes. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of stories in this world of people who did everything right and failed, and people who did everything wrong and succeeded. Mm -hmm. All we can do is our best. And if we, if we do our best with sincerity and discipline and integrity and humility, then we're living the life that we are created to live. And we can, we can live lives of joy and satisfaction, irrespective of the conventional success, the right. way society defines success. I may not be rich. I may not be famous. I may not feel I'm, I'm tremendously influential or powerful. 
I've lived a good life, then it is inevitable that I have affected the people around me and in that way made the world a better place. Mm, that is so good. Yeah. And the other lesson that, that King Solomon is telling us is that it's, this is all under the sun. Mm -hmm. We look at the world and we just see the illusion of reality. There is a much deeper spiritual reality. Mm -hmm. And that if we set limits for ourselves, or I should say limitations on ourselves, then we're always going to live under the sun. We're always going to live with the sense, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. And this is out of reach and this is impossible and this doesn't make sense. And this isn't reasonable. Whereas if we set our visions and we set our aspirations higher, we can accomplish things that once we accomplish them, we wonder, how do we do that? That was impossible. How did I succeed? Yeah. How did I get there? There, there, is, there is so much that a human being can accomplish, especially when we try and do it together. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I think about the, this Darnielism that I have is that we need to do things from our vision point and not our vantage point, which I think it kind of encapsulate what you were just saying, which is really good. Oh, I, this has been so good. Okay, next question. <laughs> what is the last book that you read? Uh, well, I'm just finishing um, Predictably Irrational by Dan Ariely. Okay. Uh, he's, uh, if, you, if, you, if you don't want to read his books, at least they should watch his TED Talks. Okay. Um, because he, he is a, um, uh, a psychologist, a researcher, and his whole focus is on the sort of the mechanics of dishonesty. Mm. There's what, what makes us act dishonest. Honestly, I just read, um, he, he did testing. He asked people before taking a test, he asked some of them to write down a list of their favorite books. Mm -hmm. And he asked a different group to write down the Ten Commandments. And then he had them take it, and he gave them the opportunity to cheat on the test. Okay. <laughs> and the ones who wrote down the Ten Commandments cheated considerably less than the ones who wrote down the books. And so a lot of them couldn't even remember more than two or three of the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. It was just priming the brain with this idea that there are moral rules in life. And that put them in a place where they were less inclined to cheat. It's, we have so much control over our own moral compass mm -hmm. if we simply figure out the techniques to do it. So good. Still teaching. I love it. I love it. I love it. And then my final question is, what is one tool that you swear by to grow your business? <laughs> oh, I am so non-technical. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a technical tool. I've had um, people say their brain. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is useful. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I'm an advocate of using the brain. Um, well, I, maybe just because I use it today, I, I use um, Windows Movie Maker. Okay. Uh, I, do, I, I try to do more and more videos. I mean, my, my business is speaking, even though the speaking business has uh, taken a hit lately. Uh, but I try to put myself out in, in videos as much as I can. Mm -hmm. And having something that's very simple. Yeah. Uh, it's very easy to use. You can't do a lot of tricks with it. But just to be able to produce those videos without a tremendous amount of time or frustration of uh, tech that's above my, my pay grade. Yeah. Um, I find it it's very, very helpful for me. Awesome. Awesome. Anything else you want to leave our audience with 
in closing? Well, the soundbite that I've been, uh, again, I think I think it came about in the course of a of a podcast interview, uh, which I keep coming back to, is that we don't have to choose between being good and being successful. That's the biggest mistake a person can make in business or in life, certainly in relationships. That when we when we make sure that our our actions are as moral and as ethical as we can make them then that sets us on a road to success. People trust us. People want to connect with us. People want to work with us. They want to share our vision. And um, it's, it sometimes seems like we have to sacrifice to do what's right. Sometimes that's true in the, in the short term, but you always have to sacrifice in the short term. Right. Long term, uh, setting our, our vision on what's good and what's right is going to lead to success. Awesome. This was so good. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to just talk with you. This, this was so good. I mean, I have no other words. <laughs> so good. Oh, it was so good. And I know that when people hear it, they, if they're open to it, they're going to be immensely blessed by everything that it is that you shared. And we'll make sure that we put how they can access your TED Talk and, and connect with you, all of that good stuff in the show notes. I just want to thank you so much for being here with me today. It has really been my pleasure. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Take care. I told you, didn't I? Like how many times as you were listening to our conversation, did you say that was good? Did you say it as many times as I did? Oh my goodness, you guys. That is like my new favorite interview. I love it. My soul is still vibrating at a higher level because my spirit is hoping for something greater. I loved every bit of that conversation. And now that you heard it, I can share with you some of the things that he said that I just really, really, I love so much. He said, there's a current that carries us. And while we can't change the current, if we are open to allowing the current to take us off the path, we can learn our biggest lessons. Oh, oh, amazing. He said, never would he have discovered all that he discovered about himself and about others had he indulged his stereotypes. And then we just went on that whole diatribe about stereotypes where he said, it's about snap judgments, right? We want people to fit into the boxes that we've created for them. And I loved how, as I told you in the beginning, he said, he talked about and broke down the process for ethical communication, that we need to know our own beliefs versus owning the beliefs of others, listen to what others are saying well enough to be able to repeat back what we heard so that they feel heard and, and that establishes trust, operating in integrity and evaluating our worldview if it's off showing up consistently and rejecting double standards and then allowing humility to have its place by continuously re-examining our beliefs to make sure that they are worthy of being believed. Oh my goodness. I hope you love this conversation as much as I did. And if you did, you wanna make sure that you go to the show notes so that you can check out how to connect with Yannison. I want you to stay connected to this very, very powerful man. I mean, he just hit me with so many good things. As we were doing the incredible factor wisdom questions, I mean, I don't know how many more that is so good you had, but he said, we are not responsible for outcomes. All we can do is do our best. 
And there's a much deeper spiritual reality and we don't have to choose between being good and being successful. I hope that your spirit has been as blessed by this conversation as mine is. And if you loved it as much as I know that you should have, please, 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 please go over to Apple and rate and review this episode. Let more people hear what Yannison and I had to say so that we can begin to do additional work to squash all of this nonsense that's going on right now. It will help if you rate and review the podcast. That's what helps us to increase our standing on the charts. And when we get on the charts, that means more people get to hear what it is that I'm sharing with the world to help them to shake the planet. And I'm just gonna thank you and praise you in advance for taking the few moments that it takes to rate and review this episode. Yannison thanks you, I thank you. And I just hope more than anything that your spirit has been peaked and that you are ready to do your part to get out of the box, to burn the box, as I like to say, and to truly show yourself worthy of understanding by challenging your beliefs and make sure that they are worthy of being believed by you. Oh, I know that your soul is blessed. Enjoy the rest of your day and I'll see you next time. Take care. Thank you for joining me for the Leverage Your Incredible Factor business podcast. If after listening to this episode, you know that it's time that you stop playing and praying small, you should go grab my Grow Your Business Toolkit. Based on the pillars of business optimization, this toolkit is the only resource you need to get crystal clear about what it will take to take your business to the seven-figure mark. Go grab yours today at growyourbiztoolkit.com. And if you enjoyed our time together, do yourself a favor. Head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Until next time, remember you deserve to scale your business, shake the planet, and fund the life you crave. Take care.